0: Well, good morning again, and welcome. We're so glad to have you here. (laughs) Um, I tell you, I had a lot of fun studying this lesson, and I have way too many notes. (laughs) You were right, Jim. (laughs) This was a fun lesson. Um, But uh, I basically broke it into three parts, and we will see how far we can get through them. Uh, But... The first, before we do that, I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your invitation to us to connect with you, to speak with you, to talk with you, and to learn from you. And Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit now to give us your guidance and wisdom in your scriptures. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I know all of you studied your lesson, so you're probably going to give me answers from your lesson instead. But before you read your lesson, I want you to back up, you know, to last week. If you heard the word steward, what was the first picture that came to your mind? Adam. Adam? Okay. That's from the lesson. So you thought of that before? Uh, You didn't do the lesson. Okay, well, good. (laughs) All right, next. What picture came to your mind when you thought of the word steward? Giving. Us uh, Christians, we're kind of of conditioned that the word steward or stewardship or anything to do with that means giving, right? Specifically money, right? (laughs) The offering plate. (laughs) What else? Anyone else? What is the first picture that came to your mind?
1: The overseer.
0: Someone who's an overseer? Okay. You're going to laugh at me, but the first picture that came to my mind was a stewardess on an airplane. That's probably the only way we actually still use the word today in common English language, besides the word stewardship, is the stewardess on an airplane. (laughs) Or not just airplane, it can be in other situations too, whether it be on a cruise ship or um, you get that. But that's where that phrase, or I should say that word, is well used. Anybody else? Someone waiting on you? Someone waiting on you, right? <laughs> it's supposed
1: to be with me waiting on somebody. <laughs>
0: All right, so let's see what the Bible has to say about it. We're going to review a few of the verses from the lesson, and then we're going to dig a little deeper. So, uh, Micah, you mentioned Adam. Let's go ahead and turn there. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 and 19. Genesis 2, verses 15 and 19. And this was the first steward in the entire Bible. (laughs) Would someone like to read that?
1: Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of the to tend it, to tend and keep it. Oh. Out of
0: the 19th, yes, nineteen.
1: Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name.
0: Okay. So here's our first picture of a steward. Did Adam own the earth? No, right? What did, what did God put him in the garden to do? To tend. to tend it, to take care of it. So basically God says, hey, I own this garden. I've created you. I own you too. But I want you to take good care of it for me. All right? So that's our first steward in the Bible. And we found it wasn't just the garden. It was also the animals, which is why I had to read 19. He had to name the animals and care for them, too. It's hard to imagine caring for a lion. But I guess back then they were a little nicer than they are now. <laughs> pets.
2: Damn.
0: That's right. That's right. And then these family pets get something. I can't wait. So the next steward in the Bible, who knows who the next steward was? I <laughs> well, she was definitely working with Adam, right? If you fast forward a few chapters in Genesis, Abraham. we find to another steward.
2: Abraham.
0: Actually, yeah, Abel was a shepherd, right? So yeah, that would be the next one. And Abraham, he didn't really own any land, right? He was kind of a nomad, but he did own his possessions, you know, his flocks and herds. So yes. Oh, Joseph 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 is actually the next one where it's actually called something specific like that. Um, let's look at it Joseph, uh, excuse me Genesis chapter 39 Joseph was sold as a slave by his brothers and uh, he became a slave in whose house Potiphar right And uh, Potiphar quickly noticed, that uh, even though he was one of the newest people to arrive in his household, he was the most honest. And so what did Potiphar make Joseph? Verse
1: 4.
0: Verse 4. Someone read it.
1: Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. He made him overseer
0: over his house and all that he had he put into his hand. So, that overseer, right? That's a steward. So Joseph was the steward of Potiphar's house. That's a pretty high responsibility. Now, once again, did Joseph own anything in Potiphar's house? No, he was actually technically a slave, right? But as a slave, I being an overseer, Uh, he actually had, and was considered, um, often back then, if they had a slave who was an overseer of someone who was in government, which Potiphar was, he was the captain of the guards of the king. So he was in military, um, an overseer of someone in government would actually be considered sometimes part of civil government, uh, in Egypt back then. So Joseph may have actually, we don't know for sure, but he very well could have actually been part of the Egyptian government uh, at the time that he was at Potiphar's house, which would give him uh, much more understanding later on when he became prime minister over Egypt. Uh, He would have understood a little bit more of how the government of Egypt worked and, uh, the, the laws of the land and a lot of those things that he would have never learned as just a common slave. And so I d- I found that as a very interesting tidbit doing some historical research there. So the next time, a uh, steward or overseer, or anyone like that is mentioned is actually, uh, just one, uh, no, about four chapters over in Genesis 43. Now Joseph is prime minister of Egypt. And he has his own steward over his own house because obviously uh, Joseph can't run his own house and be prime minister at the same time. So he has his own servant who is the steward of his house. And obviously this man was someone that Joseph trusted greatly uh, because we find Joseph's brothers talking to the steward. Uh, if you look at verse 19 through 23, Joseph's brothers, this is their second trip to Canaan. Uh, They had left their brother Simeon behind in jail when they left after their first visit. And they'd all found their money in their sacks when they got home to their father and they were all terrified. And so the first thing that they did when they got in, Joseph sent them directly to his house and they walked right to the steward and they're like... Hey, we gotta make something right here. guess <laughs> we we've got we got all this money that we paid you last time, and we, we brought it back because you know we didn't we didn't feel like that was a good thing, right? So let's see. Wait, uh, let's read verses nineteen through twenty three. Someone want to read that? Genesis 43, 19 through twenty three. So they went up to Joseph's
1: steward and
2: spoke to him at the entrance to the house. He made a pardon said we came down here the first time to buy food but at the place where we stopped for the night we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver the exact way in the mouth of the sack so we have brought it back with us we have also brought additional silver with us to buy food we don't know who put it our silver in our sacks it's alright he said don't be afraid your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver and your brass, sending it after them.
0: So this steward obviously feared God in Joseph's house, even though he was definitely probably an Egyptian. Um, but uh, I find it interesting. He's like, I had your, what do you say? I had your money, right? So the steward of Joseph's house was not only responsible for Joseph's house, but he was responsible for all the money that came in with people who wanted to buy food. And you can imagine how much money that steward had going through his hands and how important a position he had and how honest a man that had to be. <laughs> but... Uh, so that gives us just another aspect of a steward. Uh, not only is it, you know, we have a steward who manages our world, right? Keeping, taking care of the earth. We have, uh, taking care of the household. And now we have managing money. <clears throat> so let's look at one more steward. And this is in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 22. Um, Actually, we're going to look at two stewards in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 22, this is also a review from your lesson, so we're not going to read the whole thing. But let's look at verse just verses 15 and 16. This is a steward named Shebna. Or I don't know if that's how you're supposed to say it. I don't know if it's Shebna or Shebna or however you want to say it. Probably Shebna. So, what I read? 15 and, 15 and 16. Isaiah 22.
2: Thus says the Lord God of hosts Go, proceed to this door, to Shephna, who is over the house, and say, What have you here, and whom have you here, that you have come hewn a sepulchre here, as he who used himself a sepulcher on high, who carves a tomb for himself
0: in a rock. Okay. So, this man, Shebna, or Shebna, or however you want to say it, uh, was a steward for Hezekiah. For Hezekiah. And somehow, this steward magically had enough money To make himself his own private tomb hewn out of rock. You can only imagine the expense that went into that, to have a personal tomb. I mean, only the super rich elite people could do that. How do you think he got the money? (laughs) He stole it, right? (laughs) He stole the money from King Hezekiah. And God says clearly that because he stole from Hezekiah, he stole from God himself. And he built himself, this huge tomb, with stolen money from the king. And uh, as you read through the verses, you find this, this terrible curse that God predicts on the man and how he's going to die. And then I found it interesting... God actually named the name of the man who was going to take his place. And let's look at that, because I found it really interesting. Um, Verses 19 through 23. Someone want to read that one now? Isaiah 22, verses 19 through 23. Verse 19 is the last verse on Shebna, and then it goes to a, a new topic. Debbie, you want to read that?
2: And I will drop thee from thy station, and from thy state shall he pull thee down. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant El- Eliakim.
0: Eliakim, the son of
2: Hilkiah. And I will clothe them with thy robe, and strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit thy government unto his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to the house of Judah, and the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder.
0: So he shall
2: open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. And one more verse. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his
0: father's house. So we have a picture of two people here. We've got the very unjust, wicked uh, servant, right? The steward. And then we have a beautiful picture of the character of the man who would take his place. Someone that God could trust uh, to take his place. And the blessing on him because he was a faithful steward. And uh, once again, we see just what a steward is and what a steward should be. <laughs> so if you were to come up with a list of words based on what we, the Bible verses that we've covered so far, how would you describe a steward? Just haul out some words and I'll write them on the board. Anybody? Someone said overseer earlier. I need a uh, mic's over there. What else? How would you describe, based on the the Bible stories that we've just covered, how would you describe a steward? Yes.
1: I explain the situation I was uh, in, Christina. I was given that type of position. I had hundreds of departments: banking, advertising, far and far hidden. Everything. I, I had total management. And uh, everything was going excellent and with the Lord's help. He was blasphemous in a way that it had to, had to be his help. But there come a time that I had, a, we called him an old man at the time <laughs> I think he had the attitude. One of my workers was, um, he was, you know, I. I'm call, and they would say, don't send that old Gabby man over here. He, he'd rather talk than do his work. But a couple of places, either I had to fire him. Uh, if I kept my position, I was an honest steward to the company. I had no choice. Either fire him or quit. My wife and I quit. One of the best jobs we ever had. As a result, as a result of that, Uh, The new manager that took our place, he fired him within two weeks. The reason I didn't want to fire him, because he would have been old enough, he wasn't an old man at all, he was 61, but within a year, he'd been old enough to draw a social security. And that's the reason that uh, I didn't want to fire him. But the stewardship covers so much. I appreciated the job, but was the hardest thing I would ever have to do as far as wow. that. map. Wow. Who's
2: that responsible? Okay. Treasurer. Okay.
1: You know, when I think about what Glenn is sharing, and I think
2: about some positions that I have held, in a lot of ways you have to be more on the ball, you have to be more careful as a steward than you do even if it was your own money. Because if it was your own business, it'd be a lot easier to say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll just you know, I'll keep the general mentality all draw social security. But sometimes it's like you have to be harder more exacting because it's not your own. Because you are working for someone else. About should trust in-
0: Trusting? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's actually my next section. I think we'll go ahead and go on there. Um, Let's look at uh, some of the aspects of a steward and what a steward should be. So we're going to go to the New Testament now. Uh, And in the New Testament, we are going to find out Uh, A few things, and that is, uh, like I said, we're going to find out some more of the character traits of a steward, but what I specifically want you to look for is what are we to be stewards of, okay? All right, so keep that in mind as we look through some of these verses. Uh, The first one we're going to look at is Titus chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. I wish we had more time because then I would actually go into a few more uh, Bible passages in the New Testament. Jesus has a whole bunch of parables uh, on stewards. Uh, You've got um, the parable of the faithful servant, faithful steward versus the evil steward. You have the parable of the talents. You've got uh, the parable of the unjust steward. Um And uh, the list could go on. But if we have some time at the end, we may uh, look at a couple of those. But let's go to um, Titus. Titus chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. And whoever has that, go ahead and read it. For a bishop must be
1: blameless, as a steward of God, not self-willing, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast to the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able to, able by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who contradict.
0: Well, that's quite a list. <laughs> I think that covered our whole list right there in one verse. <laughs> it's very interesting um, what that word bishop means. You know what the word bishop means in the original Greek? The actual literal translation of that word is overseer. Interesting, huh? And of course, now we look at it as elder, right? Uh, Elder or pastor. Um, So if you think of that, an elder or a pastor of a church is literally the steward of the church. You ever thought of it that way before? (laughs) He's not steward of the money. I mean, yes, money was part of it, right? Money was one of those things in that list. But it wasn't just the money of the church. There's all the people in it, right? Go ahead.
1: I remember this uh, gentleman that came to our church in Hamilton, and he spoke of, he was the only bishop in the Sabbath day of his church. So, <laughs> and he explained just what you just mentioned. Uh, he had worked... It was a group of different denominations working together to feed the poor. And he was over all of them. And they uh, tried to find a position for him, so Bishop.
0: <laughs> they needed a Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> overseer. So, what is the thing? What is one of the things that we're to be overseer of?
1: Managers
0: of God's grace <laughs> Alright, so we have church. Let's look at something else. First Peter four verses nine and ten. First Peter four verses nine and ten.
2: Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards as an inappon grace of God.
0: That's what you were saying, right, Jim? <laughs> okay, so stewards of what?
2: Grace,
0: God. Stewards of God's grace, <clears throat> and how do we show it? What Was the first half of that verse, or I should? By being
2: hospitable, say,
0: by, being hospitable by showing Christ-like love to those around us, we are. Being stewards of God's grace to the world. Have you ever thought of that? Grumbling. <laughs> Without grumbling. <laughs> if you grumble, if you grumble, then you're not being a good steward anymore. <laughs> you're just simply trying to do your job. <laughs> the external. But the
1: first thing, actually, there was loving.
0: Loving. Do
1: it loving.
0: That's right. A lot to think about, isn't it? Big responsibility. Okay, let's look at the next one. 1 Corinthians chapter four, verses one and two. 1 Corinthians
1: chapter four, verses one and two. Never man so account of us as of the ministry of Christ and steward of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in his steward that a man be found faithful.
0: Okay, so we are stewards of what? Did anyone catch that? Stewards of the mysteries of God. And what was the quality mentioned with that? Did anyone catch that? Faithful. Faithful. Faithfulness to the duty. So... It doesn't actually mention the word steward in this next section, but I want us to read this because this is an example. This is Paul writing about his own life in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He doesn't say, I was a steward, but we know that Paul was the steward of the grace of God and the mysteries of God and a steward of the church. I mean, he was definitely a pastor and church planter. And he just describes his experience of what he went through in his life in a very brief summary in verses 23 through 29. And uh, we find out what lengths that Paul was willing to go through to be faithful as a steward. So someone read that. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 29.
2: Are they ministers of Christ? labored more abundant and strikes above nature, an and prisons more frequently, and deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty strikes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rod once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have been in the deep. And journeys often in perils of waters and perils of uh, robbers and perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation.
0: Wow. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> what a list, right? <laughs> so what do we have to complain about? <laughs> I mean, if you, if you read about those 39 lashes,
2: we just
0: <laughs> those 39 lashes were just enough to make you, compl- like, just, they had it, the Romans had it just right So that you would stay alive, that you would feel every bit of the pain, and that you would not pass out. And if you got the 40th one, you would basically pass out cold and die. And uh, he had that three times. Just that by itself, if you took that out and deleted the rest of the list, is a huge... But then you add everything else to it, and it's just like, whoa. (laughs) What he was willing to endure to be a faithful steward. So that brings me to our third section. Well, actually, no, I wanted to talk one more thing. Um, When we think of stewardship, as we talked earlier, the first thing we think of is money. And so I didn't bother to find the Bible verses that actually prove that we're supposed to be a good steward of money, except uh, where it was mentioned in in Titus chapter 1. But money is something that has always interested me. I don't know why, but as a kid, I absolutely loved counting money. And of course, I didn't have very much to count. It was mostly pennies uh, and nickels and dimes, but <laughs> I loved to count money. And sometimes I would sit in my room and just sit there and count it. Just for the sheer fun of counting money. And I always dreamed someday maybe I would have my own cash register so I could actually count money. And look at this, I have one. But uh, anyway, uh, my mom recognized this. And so, uh, she taught me to, uh, do accounting. This paper in my hand is a treasure. It's dated January 30, 1994. How old was I? I don't even know if I can count. <laughs> I've been ten and a half. Yeah, exactly to the day. <clears throat> ten and a half years old. This is my first budget book. Uh, and uh, there isn't a whole lot in it. If you look at some of the entries, you know, allowance was a dollar seventy-five. I lost a tooth, so I got a dollar. My brother gave me a nickel as a gift. I found a penny on the sidewalk. Uh, I gave my brother a nickel as a gift. I guess there it went back. Uh, I got a dollar as a gift for my grandma. I lost another tooth and got another dollar. Um, anyway, <laughs> And for every single one of these, you've got how much I earned and how much I took out for tithe. And, uh, and then you got my expense and uh, my balance. And... Uh, Anyway, I'll let you look at it if you want. Uh, you may find it entertaining. but uh...
2: <laughs>
0: Daniel found it this week when he was cleaning out our file drawers. He's like, I didn't know you still had this. <laughs> but that was my first lesson in stewardship as a child. And, of course, before that, my mother had already taught me to take out tithe. But to be able to learn how to actually record it and keep track, uh, that that book was my favorite book. I would look for a penny on the sidewalk just so I could make another entry in my book because I had so much fun doing it. And, uh, you know, if uh, we had the enthusiasm of a child... About being a steward of what God has entrusted to us, how much different our church would be today. So let's go to part three <clears throat> And I may have to erase a few things on the board. I might want to do, do some more talking over here. I want to give you an assignment. I'm going to give you two assignments today, okay? Just to warn you. But your assignment number one is, I would like you, you can either do it now or preferably this afternoon when you go home. I would like you to sit and think and ask God to help you make a stewardship plan for your own life. Now, I do not mean analyze your budget And look at how much money you can give in the church offering, okay? That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm talking about a stewardship plan for life. And before I go into it, let's look at just basically a brief list of everything that I personally found, and I'm sure you've seen it too now, in our study today on stewardship. What things that we are to be stewards of. One was the earth, right? We are trusted, as Adam was, to be stewards of the earth. Now, I don't mean get involved in the whole like greener society or anything like that. But as a Christian, we do have a responsibility for our world, right? Uh, Specifically our earth, the the, uh, land that we own, the animals that are in our world, um, the things that we can do as responsible people living on planet earth. And then, ourselves. We are to be stewards of our own lives. And of course, that would include our health, right? Have you ever thought that you were a steward of your health? Our time? Our talents? Because we learned that God owns us, right? So if God's own us, God owns me, then I am a steward of me. Does that make sense? All right. And then, of course, we have our family. Those closest to us. Especially if you are a parent. You're stewards of your kids. If you are a husband, you're steward of your household. We're stewards of our family. And then... Imagine what comes next. Anybody know? Our church family. (laughs) Right? We're stewards of our church family. And then next would come our community, the community we live in. After that would be our nation. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to run for president of the United States. Okay. Don't, don't uh, quote me on that. But as a citizen of the United States, we do have some stewardship abilities, even within our own nation. We have responsibility. We have taxes to pay, (laughs) but more than just that, we can be involved. And then we've got stewardship of our world all the people in our world so that's kind of the the regions of stewardship that we have right but then we have what uh, we're stewards of right we talked about health time talents and then of course means money things that we own. But what are we to be stewards of? More than any of these altogether, the most important thing is what? God's grace. God's grace. To spread the gospel, the amazing uh, good news that God has given for us. Yes? I was
1: thinking, Jeff, that was one of the first things he said, stewards of God's grace.
0: That's right. In my mind, grace pretty much covers all of that because we are...
2: Uh, responsible for our gifts, our time, everything
1: uh, falls under grace. I think, for for me, it
0: does. And this whole thing that we just said, right? All of these things, the earth, ourselves, our family, our church family, our community, our nation, our world, those are all the places that we are to be ambassadors of God's grace or stewards of God's grace to all of those. Yes. Yes.
1: Someone, someone asked me, Glenn, you're always so punctual. I'll tell you the reason why. Time is a gift. For yes. <laughs> and I, if I'm late, I feel like I'm stealing somebody's
0: time. That's right. We are stewards of time. God has given us 24 hours a day to be stewards of each day of every week. And what are we using it for? How are we using it? To share God's grace to the world around us. So, now that you've seen all the areas, this is what I want you to make your stewardship plan on. Okay? Your stewardship plan is not to be how you are going manage your money. It's going to be how you are going to share God's grace to all of these right here. Does that make sense? So this is your Sabbath afternoon assignment. Go home and pray and say, God, how can I share God's grace in a more effective way intentionally in all these areas of my life and all these aspects of our world. So that's assignment number one. Any questions on your assignment? Okay. Assignment number two. I have a gift for you. And it's a very special gift. You probably have one already. I going to give every single person one, not family. Every single individual gets one of these. Anyone know what this is? Steps to Happiness Digest, Steps to Christ. Okay. So I am giving you a gift of a book. You are a steward of this book. And your assignment is to give it to someone before next Sabbath. Okay? As a steward of this book, you have to find somebody to give it to before next Sabbath. And at personal ministry's time, I am going to ask you if you give it away. Okay? So that is assignment number two. Thank you. So we have five minutes left. And I have one more thing that I want to share with you. I'm going to give you a peek into my own life, and I'm going to share with you my stewardship plan. Okay? i you got to see where I put the marker. Here it is. My stewardship plan, every January, I do a new one. For the year. And I sit down and pray and ask God to help me put it together. And I don't want you to copy mine, but I want you to pray that God will give you one. But this is what He gives me. Every year, I begin to pray. For one soul. And every year, God sends me a new one. So it's not the same one as I prayed for last year. I pray for a new one. I pray for one person that I can intentionally be a part of their life. And win them to Christ. And you know. In the last. uh, Somewhere between 12. To 14 years. That I've been praying this prayer. God has never ever let me down. Sometimes he brings more than one. (laughs) But he's always answered my prayer for one soul. So that's a. That starts January every year. And then. The next thing is I sit down and I make a list of my 10 most wanted. Make a wanted poster. And I make a new list every January because even though a lot of the people can stay the same, sometimes you have uh, new ones that come into your life that need more prayer than the ones you were praying for last year. But I always choose the top 10. The top 10 people that I can pray for this year become my 10 most wanted. And those 10 people, specific names, I actually write them down and I pray for them every single day of the entire year. Then, every morning... So this is a year here. <coughs> every morning... I pray for one opportunity to share Jesus with someone. Sometimes he gives me more. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. But you have to pray for it. So every morning, pray for one opportunity to share Jesus with someone. And it doesn't have to be in person could be by telephone, could be by Facebook, could be by email, or it could be in person. And so 365 days a year, there's absolutely no excuse for us to not have one opportunity to share Jesus with someone. Then the next thing is I commit to spending time with God every day. I commit to be ready always to give an answer. And of course, the only way to do that is through a connection with Christ. And I commit to listen to him. That's my stewardship plan. And I tell you, it's been a wild ride. (laughs) But it's been the greatest adventure of my life. And I've never, ever regretted it. So every year I pray for one soul. Every year I write down my 10 most wanted names. And sometimes God sends me that one soul off of my 10 most wanted list. And sometimes he surprises me by bringing me someone completely that I wasn't even expecting. And then every day, pray for one opportunity to share Jesus. Commit to spend time with God every day. Commit to always be ready. In season and out of season, Paul says, be ready to share Jesus. And then commit to having a connection with Christ and listening to what he says. You'll never regret it. But I pray that yours will not mimic mine word for word. I pray that God will give one to you, a stewardship plan for your life. And I know he has a special one for each of you. And I pray that you can find it.